Get your face out of the brownies. I'm looking at the mixer. I'm looking at the brownies. No trans fat. Yes. As many as I want. Yeah, that's the way it works. <laughs> you stay away, cat. You don't get no brownies. All right. Fast karate for the gentleman. Stumbling towards better audio quality. One inch at a time. But for every inch we go forward, we go ten feet back. So, better luck next time. Today is a podcast for something around February 17th. We have so many things to discuss, but so little time. First off, Joel, Black Lagoon is the best show ever made. Really? It has become the yardstick by which I measure other shows now. No joke. <laughs> well, from what I've heard from you, they do shoot a helicopter with a torpedo. Yeah. I was watching Basilisk today, and I was like, well... It's not total crap, but I don't see a lot of guys cutting bolts in half with samurai swords, <laughs> and I don't really know if that appeals to me. <laughs> you know, this is a good show, but it lacks a certain something, a certain boat something. <laughs> yes, a certain torpedo boat shooting down a helicopter by ramping off another boat and flying into the air. Well, we'll talk about Black Lagoon another day, I'm sure. Oh, man. DVDs? The first one comes out in April. Cannot wait. Really? I am so excited for that. This is the first time I've been excited about a show in a long time. So I gotta give propers to Anime World Order, who talked about it in one of their most recent shows. Oh my. I must have blown through this whole show in like a week. It's awesome. And I did the things I do when I get obsessed about a show. I'm like looking up wallpapers and trying to find <laughs> the single for the opening theme. <laughs> Which I did, by the way, is crap. Really? The opening theme kind of is pretty good. I like it. But the single is like every other single, and I never learned my lesson. That it's always horrible remixes of the same song. <laughs> yeah. Not my theme. So, I guess we should talk about the winner of the Case Closed DVD. Yes. Has it finally been decided? Yeah, I think it has, actually. Even though it was a harrowing experience. There were three really strong entries. And I gotta say that it was tough to pick the winner. Erwin uh, Rosales had a great entry. Zeno Mouse from our forum, likewise, had a great entry. But I think that the winner uh, was obvious, not really in terms of the quality of storytelling, because, I mean, that was pretty solid throughout. Uh, but just because this thing actually happened to him. And I mean, I know that it was supposed to be a fiction writing contest, but if you have like a real mystery that you solve in your life... That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, that, really, I, that really captures the essence of what Jimmy Kudo is all about. When I was a kid, um, I would distribute... I'd, I'd read Encyclopedia Brown, and in Encyclopedia Brown, he distributes these business cards that say mystery solved for a quarter or something. So I put all these... <laughs> business cards that I wrote up on paper in my neighbor's mailboxes in the middle of West Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm probably lucky I didn't get killed and raped. <laughs> That's a good story. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the problem with this is we only got three entries, and they were all so wildly disparate <laughs> that it was very hard to determine which one should be the winner, because we have the totally farcical journey of... Uh, 
the Saints say a kid's being imploded and exploded at the same time, as Joel has mentioned on no less than two other podcasts. <laughs> it's just such a great idea. On the other hand, we have this four-page detective story, short story, that could be written up in like a 1930s pulp magazine. And then we have the entry of a man we're going to call Joe Becerra, whose name I mispronounced on an earlier podcast, and he was quick to point it out to us. To be me. fair, his name is not spelled like Becerra. Well, it is spelled like Becerra, perhaps. <laughs> but I wouldn't know. Yeah. So I thought it was Becerra. I don't even remember how I pronounced <laughs> it. But incorrectly. So, let's read this stuff. Have you given the Case Closed DVDs away yet? If not, I think I will throw my hat into the ring. Basically, if I'm not mistaken, the contest was how I used my hotshit dissecting skills to solve something. Simple enough. As a kid, I was obsessed with murder mysteries, mainly focusing on Sherlock Holmes. I've learned a great deal from Doyle's writings, which has come in handy a number of times, although truly nothing particularly significant. If I may interject, this is very parallel to the... Uh, life of a certain detective named Jimmy Kudo, who yeah. also idolized the writings of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and his fictitious character, Sherlock Holmes. So, you know, he's kind of got that going for him. An example of how I used a technique Holmes used himself, one day I suspected my then-girlfriend of cheating on me. Hard to prove unless you have a luxury of a high-paying job that will afford you the trinket cam, i.e. a video camera in a random object in room I guess like a like the teddy like in bear in a bag or in a plant or something so instead I dumped my ashtray onto the bedroom floor I know my ex well enough that she doesn't know how to clean and is quite the lazy ass too so I went to work and when I returned she was where I had left her on the sofa watching the Simpsons I walked into my bedroom to find four sets of prints two going in two going out one clearly larger than my ex's footprint I asked her about her day and she said nothing happened I asked if there was anyone over, like a repairman or something. She said, nope. My follow-up was simply, then who are you effing? I censored because I don't really feel right saying those words. <laughs> At least not to the internet. My apologies to Joe Becerra. After showing her the footprints of my bedrooms, he was somewhat left speechless. I asked her kindly to get her crap and leave, which she complied without question. And since then, she has been my ex. Now... We think that is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> because I wish I could do something. <laughs> really, I wish I had done that for once in my life. I've never solved a mystery like that. And I used to smoke and keep cigarette butts in an ashtray. So it was like pride for the pickings. If you only... could do it with anything. Oil. Oil. Wax. Wax. <laughs> Human the <ashtray> blood. Is... <laughs> yeah, it's like... You did, the girlfriend walks into the room and she's like... Oh my god, <laughs> what happened? Who are you cheating on me with? Why is there a decapitated body in the bedroom? You, Don't change the subject. You whore. <laughs> yeah. Really, we were quite impressed. And it kind of pales to, in comparison, our greatest mystery ever solved, which was the mystery of who does our friend hang out with when he's not hanging out with us. <laughs> the answer, boring people. Well, I think the real answer was some girls. Yeah. And he was ashamed of us, which is appropriate. <laughs> uh, a situation that still maintains to this day with many of our friends. <laughs> so, Joe, if you wouldn't mind sending us along your address, we would be happy to ship that case closed DVD out to you. 
And hey, maybe I'll go one step further. I was flipping through the Funimation uh, catalog list today while we were watching Basilisk, and it seems like there's a new Detective Conan DVD out. Maybe it's digitally remastered or something. So maybe you'll have a pleasant surprise waiting for you in the mail. Maybe not, though. We'll see. <laughs> there's going to be something waiting for you in the mail. It may be an ashtray filled with cigarette butts for your next crime-solving game for... <laughs> So today, on Fast Karate for the Gentlemen, we watched Basilisk, which was not as bad as we would have expected, to which I kind of breathe a sigh of relief, because we watched a lot of Funimation stuff recently, and we've hated on all of it, so I started to feel really bad. Was this Funimation? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, like Desert Punk and Trinity Blood, and the upcoming moon phase about the 14-year-old vampire... Maybe incestuous. Either way, we're going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming to us in the mail right now, and I cannot wait. But, uh, yeah, Basilisk. Um, I mean, the jury's still out, but I think I'm going to give it a thumbs up so far. Uh, I don't think I'll give it a thumbs up, but I'll give it kind of one of those even hand waves that you slowly trail across your body. <laughs> you know, eh, it was all right. I feel like they were just... I don't like these shows that just throw names at you. Like, I don't have a doctorate in Japanese feudal history. So, my ability to... I feel... I mean, I agree with you that the names get kind of confusing. But at this point, how many alternate histories are we going to watch without picking up on some of them? It's true. As I've mentioned before, my entirety of Japanese history comes from Kesson. <laughs> yeah. So, I know who... Ieyasu Tokugawa is, sort of. I know him by name. And we know who Nobunaga is from... from no, uh, no, Nobunaga's Ambition. No, and... And Onimusha. Yeah. Where he looks exactly the same as he does in this movie. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder if there's some sort of common point. That, yeah, there's a motif here. Like I don't know what it is. Japanese history. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, this is how he was depicted <laughs> in art, maybe. Yeah, but regardless, no matter how many times he we've watched these shows... He doesn't have any demon soldiers or electric powers in, in this one. As far as we know, he was only in one scene. Yeah, and I mean, which makes me think it's kind of historically inaccurate. Because as far as I know, Nobunaga did have superpowers. Yeah, and a skeleton doctor named Gildenstern. <laughs> or Rosencrantz. <laughs> I don't know, somebody from Hamlet. He's, he's one of them. <laughs> And his tentacle monster, Ronaldo. <laughs> Wasn't there also the other, the the Titan guy? It was sort of like a golem. He looked like a statue. Yeah, Marcellus. Like, Marcellus. I was going to say he's like Merchulio or something, yeah. but Marcellus is what it is. That was a funky game. A yeah. series of games. Too bad they shot themselves in the foot with the fourth one. The third one was already a little excessive, you know, with the whole time travel and Paris and everything. But I was willing to forgive it because it had John Renault. Yeah. And you can't argue with the professional. He'll shoot you for a glass of milk. <laughs> and so I think that... Uh, and then I'll enter a weird psychosexual relationship with Natalie Portman. That wasn't psychosexual. It was totally one-sided. John Renault did the right thing. She was weird and sexual. Yeah. She was and like she was all hot later in life. And then John Renault's like, man, I should have hit it. But then you're like, no, John Renault. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have. You, you also right. should not have made Godzilla with uh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, that was a mistake too, John. Come on, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> but anyway, the professional was still good. Back to Basilisk. 
Basilis appears to be the story of the feuding tribes of the Koga and Iga ninjas, who I know through the highest power ninja knives in Final Fantasy Tactics. Exactly. And they were terrible weapons. Ninja knives really sucked. Yeah. That's why you put martial arts on your ninja. They punch twice for like 999 damage. Each punch. Anyway. Sweet. That's the extent of my Koga and Iga knowledge. Apparently, uh, yeah. I don't know. We missed out on uh, in Final Fantasy on the, the real essence of the Koga and Iga ninja. And that was that they were all super powered. Also, some of them had the aspects of animals. Alright, let's not like, jump into that yet. <laughs> There's a little confusion going on. You know how normal... Well, I'm going to go with something like Ninja Scroll. Like the animated series Ninja Scroll. You can identify the bad guys because they're using things that are mechanical. And so then I automatically, or maybe subconsciously, carried that idiom over into Basilisk. Unfortunately, it doesn't hold true. Because the, both the Koga and the Iga have ninjas that exhibit animal talents or have ninjas that look like animals or something yeah like that well there's no real clear divider that tells you this is one type of ninja and this is the other type of ninja they both kind of seem to do the same thing yeah they just hate each other so we're not even sure if one clan's good and one clan's bad it seems like you got a whole bunch of people in each clan that want to fight, and then these this girl in the one clan and the guy in the other who want to be in love. Who are in love, but well, they want yeah, to get married. They want to get married. It's a real Romeo and Juliet sort of thing with the Montagues and the Capulets. Except the Montagues have Octopus Man and the Capulets have... Balloon Guy. Yeah, Balloon Guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the reason I like Basilisk is because, you know, you sit me down in front of something and you give me ninjas with superpowers and you're going to have to go a long way to ruin that. Yeah. I mean, nin- you know, Ninja Resurrection definitely did ruin it. Well, and there was a second where there was the word Makai or maybe Tensho yeah, ten on the screen. Up and I was like, uh-oh. I almost jumped out a window. Yeah, once bitten, twice shy, really. Exactly. <laughs> but we persevered through. And to its credit... Basilisk does not have Rocket Ninja of either variety. Neither yep. Rocket Launcher Ninja nor Ninja who turns into a rocket like a jet <laughs> ninja. <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's really got that going for it. It hasn't gotten that dumb yet. I mean, I mean, there was one guy who was pretty stupid. All right, let's... I mean, as usual, we're going to do like the comparison of powers thing, and then we're going to offer the choice. If I had a choice between, oh, I don't know being able to control my hair like an appendage and use it like a weapon like Melia Rage from Guilty Gear X or being a uh, quadriplegic amputee who hit a knife in my throat on my extremely long tongue like nothing ever because that's a terrible power exactly I mean it's not really a choice but there's a guy in this show that that's his power I mean luckily he gets cut in half vertically in the yeah. Third episode. In short order. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really get a lot of time to shine. However, his name is Jubei, and it makes me wonder if he's Jubei Yagyu, the infamous ninja. If they treated Jubei Yagyu in that fashion... That's true. That would be pretty lame. I mean, they could have, and I just don't remember his last name. They did say his last name several times. But we know they've got Hattori Hanzo, who we are most familiar with through the Samurai Showdown series. <laughs> yes. In which he was awesome, but not as cool as Galford. <laughs> 
<laughs> because Galfred had a dog. Yeah, exactly. And he, he was white. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> Sorry, Hanzo. But still, Hanzo was pretty awesome. We got Tokugawa, Nobunaga. They, they really, they throw a whole lot of names at you. Probably everybody who has a name in this was an important historical <laughs> figure. But we would never be able to tell you. And probably, yeah, if they were an, an important historical figure, it's unfortunate that we'll be referring to them from now on as octopus guy or yeah. balloon guy or the dude that was kind of like a caterpillar. <laughs> it's too bad, but what are you going to do? I'm willing to bet that most of the otakus who watch this at one in the morning on their cable channel didn't know who half these people were either. You need like a doctorate in feudal Japanese history to understand it. Well, or yeah. play Kessen 1 through 3. <laughs> I only play Kessen 2. So you know a brief, a brief period. I have a basic understanding of who's what. I know Ninja, as we've mentioned before, was a pretty sweet attack that I never got to use. <laughs> but Cannonade was so good, it's like, why even bother? Let's set the stage a little bit for uh, Basilisk, which is not Cockatrice, which was I thought it was in the beginning. A lot of people use them interchangeably, but I was pretty obsessed with Greek mythology going up, or really any mythology, but I really like Greek mythology. And the basilisk I always understood was the six or eight-legged lizard. Okay. It could have been any old lizard, except its gaze turns you to stone. Whereas the cockatrice could be either depicted as a bird, or half a bird, half a lizard, whose gaze turns you to stone. Yeah. They, they weren't <laughs> that different. But if you're going to have two terms for something, then might as well use them to distinguish whatever. But then I think they further confuse it by describing the basilisk as a half-bird, half-snake creature in the actual show. Yeah. Which, do we even know what that relates to? I mean, Well, I think that half-bird, half-snake, well, I think it's because the... One of them's a bird. Yeah, like the, the Iga, uh, well, in the beginning, the two old people that are fighting, Yeah. Uh, the woman uh, controls the hawk and yeah. the man... It's like a snake. snake. Or he's like a snake, you know. He spits needles through helmets and things. Yeah. Which, I gotta tell you, is another power that's a lot sweeter than the uh, the throat dagger. Yeah. Because you could do that at a range, and you don't need to risk your tongue. It's just connected <laughs> to your body. Well, even, Also, it's a lot faster. Yeah, and uh, you can shoot it through armor. If you had the ability to spit anything, would you even need to spit the needle? You could knock somebody unconscious with a loogie. I mean, that would be so great, too. <laughs> Because somebody was just talking too hard and you just spit at him. <laughs> Break Shut their up. nose. That's what you get. I don't even need a weapon. Yeah, I've got my spit. Thank you very much. And that's actually pretty common. A lot of people in this show spit stuff. Yeah. Acid. Snot. <laughs> Some people get all up in your mouth and kill you from the inside out. Oh, that was gross. It's really, it doesn't help that the guy was Slugman. <laughs> yeah. So, in order to be really gross if you had somebody going inside your body... But to be a gooey, slimy slug thing, that, that really ratchets up the intensity. Did you did you ever watch Slither? Yeah. Was it good? It's awesome. It's really? like the best horror movie ever. <laughs> it's so funny. It's got the guy... Um, From Firefly. Yeah. The pilot. He is hilarious. <laughs> At the very end, when they're like walking away from all the carnage, he had gotten stabbed by the monster, and he's like holding his side and bleeding. And the girl, who's supposed to be like the helpless girl character, is like, "Oh, I think the monster has to stab you with both of its stinger things for you to turn into one of these monsters." And he's like, "Awesome!" 
<laughs> that's like the last line of the movie. He's so sarcastic the whole time. Like the girl saves him from this zombie deer. He's like, well, if anybody asks, I'm going to say I saved you. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I kind of want to see that, but I'm also a big pussy, so I kind of don't want to see really it. It's really not that scary. Really? Yeah. Is it still really? I don't know. It, it can be kind of gross at points, but it's not a gore fest. Okay. Maybe I'll check it out. It's much more a comedy than it is a horror movie, too. Okay. It's a horror comedy. A homedy. A homedy. <laughs> or a comorer. I think we'll stick with homedy. Comorer. <laughs> Isn't that... The comorer. Grits. <laughs> the comorer. <laughs> all, all I can think of homily. now is homily. Yeah. But that's not if what we're That's also about. what this movie was about. <laughs> homilies. Very, but anyway, very little to do with Basilis, <laughs> but the slugs in that movie were much better executed. Yeah, in this one, uh, there's only one slug, and I I gotta admit that I'm really grateful for that because if I have to see that guy kill anyone else in this show, I might throw up. That was that the same guy that was all quiet and had the stony looking face that was always hanging around him. Yeah. Okay, because I thought he was made out of rock. And I was going to with... find out that he's a slug is kind of disappointing. I don't know. I was thinking something more reptilian, but uh, whatever. Yeah, I would have accepted some sort of snake. <laughs> oh, slug, I'm sorry. We would have accepted snake or yeah. possibly Komodo dragon. Not really anything that has pseudopods. Bearded lizard, <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> Iguana, maybe. But yeah, I mean... Chameleon if, powers, outstanding. If our description of the slug guy is... Uh, is in any, any indication some of the powers in the show are pretty outlandish I mean we've already talked about octopus dude and uh the guy that slug guy kills is he's called like the balloon power yeah his power is to blow up like a balloon for what practical purpose I don't know it sort of I don't it doesn't make any sense it makes though. his skin really malleable I it would be more appropriate to call him a rubber ball as opposed to a balloon because he'll float up sometimes but then he'll also shoot down which doesn't really seem like... Like I, one I, of those 25 cents. Yeah, it's not... Balls. When your balloon floats up into the air, nobody, you know, starts screaming, Oh my God, careful, it might turn around and come back. And kill me. Every, you know, somebody let go of a balloon, everybody down. Like, you see, like, car gets smashed by his birthday balloon. It's like, honey, I hope you learned a valuable lesson today. Once the balloon reaches 30 feet, it will turn around and try to kill you. Man, I thought they just floated out to sea and got stuck in whales' throats. Yeah, I always wondered what, like, balloons that would float away. Because there were a couple of those when I was little. And there's always that magical, like, ooh, I wonder where the balloon goes. Maybe it floats all the way to space. <laughs> and then, you know. You wish. I know, I do wish. And then, you know, there's like an alien somewhere that takes the balloon. It's like, oh, now there's a happy alien who has my balloon. And he's going to kill all of us. <laughs> when in reality. Little did you know, for aliens, balloons are a sign of war. <laughs> When in reality, gas is constantly passing over the the rubber membrane that makes the balloon. Well, still, it can float for a long time, Joel. Long enough for it to float out of sight and fulfill your childish fantasies. Which I hope you still don't maintain, because that would be really sad. (laughs) I saw you... Santa's real, so is the Easter Bunny! Clenching your fists when Balloon Guy was bouncing around like a (laughs) retard. And then there's, there's Blood Girl. Who, like, shoots blood at you to take over your mind? Yeah. Or at least blind you. Which I guess blood would do. But I could do that, probably. <laughs> yeah, if I like... With like a pen Knock knife. out a tooth and like spat blood in your face, you yeah. probably couldn't see either. Like Bolo Young in Bloodsport when he throws that pill of yeah. dust in Van Damme's face. 
She screams inexplicably. What is that doing? The scream will clear my vision. Well, it's great because it's a slow motion scream. And he's doing that thing where he like puts his hands out in front of him. But his eyes are wide open. Yeah. If you get dust thrown in your eyes, it doesn't just make you blind. It makes you close your eyes. Yeah. But yeah. That's why Jean-Claude Van Damme would never be a basilisk ninja. <laughs> Because obviously the response when you're blinded by blood is to make your face really fat so the sword stops against it and doesn't kill you. It's a rookie mistake. Which I don't see how that works because if he was a balloon, wouldn't his skin get really thin and easily ruptured? I was thinking the same thing. But you know what? Who cares? Because everybody has crazy ass powers. I'm just glad he died because balloon is not a cool power. Well, I don't even. Yeah. I'm really hoping that the main guy doesn't even have power, he's just an awesome ninja. That's always my hope. When I saw the girl that used the blood to control him, mm. I was kind of disappointed when she started using blood because I thought her special power was, you know, seduction. She was just supposed to be really hot. And I mean, I guess that would be really lame, but at the same time, kind of makes it a little more sensical. I mean, it's all right to have these wild characters that do incredible things, but it's also kind of nice to know that, you know, maybe there are still average people out there They're seducing people the to assassinate people. I could seduce me a ninja real easy. Exactly. I'll just show up and be like, hey, ninja lady. Be like in the Bugs Bunny cartoons where he's got the two <laughs> big fans. <laughs> oh, she would not be able to resist my American wiles. It's like, hey, I'm white. Automatically attractive in your culture. That's because white people let them have careers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually changing in Japan now. I mean, like yeah, with every other industrial incrementally. society. Well, it's just there's now a you little know, behind the curve. Well, no, people just men don't get paid enough to support their families anymore, so women have to work. So, <laughs> so basically, they're getting uh, women's liberation by necessity. Well, that's the way it worked in America too. Prior to the war, women who went to work, uh, they went to work because their husbands couldn't afford to, because of the depression. Yeah, basically. Man, that depression was bad news. Japan went through one of them. Like last year. <laughs> when the entire Southeast Asian stock market collapsed. That was no good. But surprisingly unrelated to Basilisk. Uh, not that surprisingly. Have you forgotten which podcast you're listening to? <laughs> slash recording. <laughs> Wait, you mean I'm actually a part of this? Maybe. Whoa. It doesn't matter. No, None of this matters. I don't know. Basilisk, I don't get it. It could be good. It could be bad. But it's not indecipherable like ergo proxy I just watch and I'm like I don't know if I like this I could be excited about it but that's for the reasons I already stated it's got ninjas with superpowers I mean you had me at ninjas with superpowers and the whole point of the show is that they're gonna kill each other it's yes not, it's not like other shows that jerk around with some sort of plot the plot of this show is that these guys need to kill each other <laughs> well I, I mean there is a background it's got the there is a melodramatic uh, underpinning in that there's the love story between this guy yeah. and this girl that are the, the respective heads of their clans. But you know what? I'm down with that. I, I mean, I kind of like melodrama. Like, I, I liked House of Flying Daggers. Yeah, I thought House of Flying Daggers was really good. Far superior to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Was that the one I'm thinking of? Or no? Hero? You might be thinking of Hero. Yeah. People, it's really funny though. Everyone I talk to says, oh, Hero was great. And House of Flying Daggers sucked. And I, I always have to like stop and think for a second because I'm like... Which one I remember was being which? like crazy-ass bored during one of them. <laughs> but I can't remember which. Because Hero was just like... 
I don't know. Everything was so bland, and oh, this is we'll show them our culture. Yeah. And then so and then they're all painting while somebody's like beating back a hundred arrows in one swing or something. And I'm just like, calligraphy, whatever. That chick is hot. <laughs> Do her. <laughs> I'd kill somebody to be in love with her. Uh, Maybe my own wife. I remember coming back from House of Flying Daggers and. Us saying to Jerry, yeah, well, that was pretty good. And him throwing this tantrum about how Shaolin doesn't use throwing knives. <laughs> and how this was the worst movie ever because of this fact. Even though I don't think they were supposed to be Shaolin practitioners. I, I don't think so either. The people who were just throwing knives were just bandits. And, and he was having none of that. It's like, what are you, what are you stupid? This movie was terrible. Was, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we're just not, you know, inductees into the Shaolin arts. Yeah, well, when you spend 15 years of your life practicing Kung Fu. I guess you can be sort of over-invested in that kind of crap. Yeah, when in reality you just want to see some people throw some knives <laughs> and then beat the crap out of each other and use bows and stuff. But yeah, the the really appealing thing about Basilisk is that uh, even though it's got this love story, it's also got, you know, horribly bloody conflicts going on in the background. The problem is the fights are not always so great. Like, I, I think they're usually kind of boring and kind of like... I guess that's true. It never... The one thing that really pisses me off in movies with fight scenes is when they don't show you things happening. They just show you the effects. So, whatever. They'll have, like, two guys running at each other. And then the next thing is the guy's flying away. Like, one guy got hit and knocked up into the air. But they never really show you the guy getting hit. They just show you all the little aftermaths. And do they really do that in this one, though? I think so. I feel like they show you a lot more people bouncing off other people than people actually getting down and dirty with each other. Well, they did... Ha- I, I don't know. The ones I'm thinking of... The spider guy, uh, he got killed by the dude with hair when he, he you know jammed that scythe into his frontal lobe. Yeah. <laughs> and then picked him up with it. And he was still alive... Unfortunate. Unfortunate indeed. And impossible. He would at least be unconscious. But whatever. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you just split him right down the corpus callosum. <laughs> so now his brain's in two halves and they <laughs> That's what he does when he's dying. Now that his language center and his visual center can't communicate. <laughs> he like holds up a flashcard of a dog. He's like, What is this? And the guy's like, Soda can and then he just dies. <laughs> He's effectively blind. It's insult to injury. <laughs> well, but I think I don't know. There's that one scene where the they're about to kill I don't know larva ninja, the dude with the throat knife, because he, he looks like a grub. Yeah. Uh, and when uh he's got his two carriers, and the dude throws the knives, and he shouts, "Kill only the carriers!" And then they get their heads chopped in half, like not off, <laughs> mostly in half. Yeah. And then well, you're thinking, wow. As I said at the time, worst job ever. <laughs> exactly. I'm basically a human beast of burden, and I just got killed. Yeah, the job was already not great. <laughs> and furthermore, why do you have to kill me? Yeah. It, I literally obviously pose no threat. You could, And it's not like I can make it that far or that quickly while carrying this heavy-ass box with a person in it. Mm-hmm. You could just leg him. Yeah. I just yell at him really loud. I'm it's like, sure hey, stop or I'll kill you. I'm pretty sure they would have dropped the box. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, boss. It's been fun. What's the worst that's going to happen? Your boss is going to kill you for running away? You're going to get killed anyway. 
And who, why would you even say to tell him? I would just drop him and keep running. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you want the person in the box? Okay. I'd roll him down the hill. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> He's over there. Bye. I, I already got paid. <laughs> and the other thing, you got to think that those guys without the box would be incredibly fast. Who couldn't they get away with? Yeah. It's true. If they spent their whole lives carrying a box with a person in it I mean, and granted, running at that. Their whole lives would be about, you know, 30 years. Rickshaw drivers have a very a long uh, time to carry someone, Joel. It's true. Yeah, they're carrying them the whole time. Their entire life is spent <laughs> yeah. carrying this person around. Wake up in the morning, pick up the box. <laughs> taking you're taking a shower. The box is in there. The person inside is also taking a shower. <laughs> oh man, life of luxury. Yeah, those rickshaw guys got it easy. Or palanquin holders, as I believe they're called, because uh, a rickshaw is something else entirely. But still a really crappy, crappy job. Yeah. Well, any job where you have to carry someone else is not that great. Yeah. I don't know. Basilisk, maybe? For a Gonzo show, it doesn't crap out immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Which is to its credit, because the last Gonzo show we watched, Trinity Blood, was not Terrible. See, I I know people criticize us for, uh, or a criticism of us has been, oh, you got to watch the whole show. Like, you need to watch it beginning to end to know if it's bad. And I think with Basilisk, I will agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I like the first four episodes that we watched. And, I mean, I I can still say the jury's still out because it could go to, you know, terrible junk in the end. Yeah. Or it could be really good. As Gonzo shows have evidence, this change can happen at a rapid pace. (laughs) So, call it a maybe. I don't know. I'm going to recommend it. Just because uh, I like ninjas with superpowers. Well, I'm going to say, big old maybe. If Joel's in the room, you might as well watch it. <laughs> the problem is, we, what we need the compressor for is, we tend to yell a little sometimes. I don't know if you noticed. I'm sorry, I'm eating a brownie. <laughs> I can't concentrate <laughs> on listening to you right now. While eating brownies, the volume of my voice transfers. It gets different. Random. I'm so excited. Love brownies. Oh. So it's like making love in chocolate with chocolate and being chocolate. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty fun time, Joel. <laughs>